Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes, we're not quite nerds but not quite noobs, choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, and this week my co-host Brian Nari will be reviewing the 2018 film A Quiet Place, uh, a movie that's directed by John Krasinski, starring John Krasinski, and his real-life wife Emily Blunt, as well as Millicent Simmons. Uh, I picked this movie because of the incredible amount of hype and buzz that it's been garnering over the past few weeks. Uh, it currently holds about a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, and has been doing fairly well at the box office, having only been out for about two weeks or so. So it's pretty rare to see a movie come out, especially a horror movie, uh, come out and do this well. So I thought it'd be a good excuse for Brian and I to get off the couch and uh, into the theaters. So, Brian, uh, what was it like heading into the theater after a while? It was great. I never get to go anymore, so it was a lot of fun. And my wife hates horror movies, so I went by myself, which I actually like doing quite a bit. Me too. That's something, as, as I've gotten older, I've started to appreciate a lot more. The, the idea of going to a movie alone, and you can just kind of focus on the film versus having to uh, worry about you know the people or the, the crowd next to you. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, especially for me as a dad, it's nice to get some alone time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there's something very uh, relaxing about removing yourself and, and being in that dark room uh, yeah. and just being able to be absorbed in the movie. Yeah, a, yep. a lot of fun. Uh, but ticket prices, I feel like, have been climbing pretty steadily. Uh, I feel like every time I go, it's like a dollar more expensive. Yeah, it's a pain. But. Yeah. <laughs> Not like when we were kids. And uh, one of the things that, that I learned this time is apparently you can buy your popcorn and candy and stuff ahead of time. Did, did, did you see this when you were buying your ticket? You can do that ahead of time? Yeah, like when you're buying a ticket online, you can like now like buy these packages where you, you select the popcorn or candies you want uh, online. And I, I'm not sure how you claim it when you get there, but it's just a weird option. That's ridiculous. I know. I, think I feel theaters... like I have mixed feelings about the buying ahead of time thing. Like mm-hmm. my theater allows me to like just show up, um, which I like because what if I decide to go to a movie like... 20 minutes beforehand like yeah i'm just i'm locked out of the movie then yep yeah especially with like a lot of these theaters doing like assigned seating and, th- and things like that where uh yeah people like buy tickets for certain seats i mean the whole idea of like an impulse kind of just showing up and going to a movie like does get really hard yeah i'm sure the theaters like it because they probably get money from no shows yeah well right. actually no i bet they make most of their money on like popcorn and drinks so maybe they they don't I want no so. shows yeah yeah that's what I hear. And then, uh, are you up to date with the whole movie pass thing and, and what's going on there with like, you pay like this one subscription fee and you can go see like as many movies as you want. Yeah. I'm always, uh, skeptical of things like that. <laughs> yeah. seems too good to be true. Like if it makes sense for the theater to do, it probably doesn't make sense for me to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone's definitely losing this scenario and I'm, g- I'm betting it's not the theater. Yeah, I'm sure it's great for a small percentage of people, but most people yeah. will think it sounds like a good idea and end up wasting money. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think that's what they're counting on, just like a just like a gym membership, basically. Oh, yeah, for sure. Perfect example. <laughs> yeah, those are smart businesses to be in. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was exciting to be back in the theater, and I, I feel like horror movies in the theater, it was uh, an extra level of excitement that, that's fun and, and can sometimes, when it's done well, it can pay off. Um, yeah, and uh, and yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about like how how this movie like used the uh, a lot of the elements of being in a theater uh, to its advantage here. But uh, before we dive into more of an in depth review of the plot and our reviews and and the the spoilers, 
uh, let's spend some time just talking about uh, you know the making of this movie, the background, the story behind it, what uh, what all came together here. So overall, this was a movie that was about a family that uh, is basically trying to survive in a world that's been taken over by these monsters who hunt based on sound, uh, not on sight. Kind of like the the T Rex from Jurassic Park. Was wasn't that how he worked? Yeah. Uh, he could see, though. These things can't see at all. Oh, they're completely blind. Yeah. No, wait a minute, T-Rex. <laughs> oh, man, Jurassic Park failures. It was movement that, like, he could see really well. Oh, oh, okay. So if you so were perfectly like... still, it, it it got him. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I think that was scientifically inaccurate, but it was <laughs> how the movie worked. Yeah, it worked well in the, in the, for, the for the movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, the, these monsters in this movie are, are completely blind, but they have like insane like hearing, and uh, they basically hunt on sound, right? Yeah, that's like a bat, like echolocation. Yeah, oh, echolocation. I, I like that. Uh, <laughs> maybe idea for a future band name. Uh, well, that is a good band name. Yeah. Right. Um, I can't decide what, if it's great or horrible. Actually, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I feel like if I heard that, like as an if an opener came out of the show and was like. We are echolocation. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the more we, uh, yeah, the more we talk about it, it actually does sound like a terrible name. <laughs> <laughs> a little too on the nose. Yeah. Uh, what genre would you put this movie into? Uh, monster movie. Do you prefer yeah. the term monster movie or creature feature? <laughs> I would put it in monster movie. What? What, what what's is there a difference? Would you like put those in? Uh, are there are there are those different genres, or do you think they're synonymous? No, I think it's just a different way to two different fun ways to say the same thing. Does one if you only had one monster in the movie, would that be more of a creature feature film? Because like when I think creature feature, I think like Creature of the Black Lagoon. Maybe that just just because it has the word creature in it. But oh, it also yeah. just makes me think of movies that are like you know have one like monster one one creature versus yeah like I think it like yeah I think that term originated in a time when it was just like one big giant creature like crushing yeah. buildings and picking up ladies yeah exactly yeah and now now with CGI though you can afford a bunch of monsters now I guess yeah yeah uh, but yeah I, I agree monster movie uh, maybe a, a bit of family drama. Yeah, yeah, family drama and apocalyptic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of uh, kind of Walking Dead vibes, because, like, it takes place in the future in, like, this world that's been ravaged by monsters, right? Yeah. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a, like, there's something in the woods type oh, unofficial yeah. genre that we've talked about before. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. Uh, somewhere it's like, um, what was it, The Ritual, where, like, yeah, something yep. in the woods is hunting them down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that 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 all. Uh, I, I think those are all the, the right spots there. Um, so I I think it's interesting uh, to point out that um, so one of the main like uh, plot devices here is that um, you know it's a, it's a family they're they're in this world that's been taken over by these monsters, and one of the main characters, the daughter, is deaf. Uh, the daughter's played by Millicent Simmons, and she's also deaf in real life, which uh, I think is really cool that uh, they did that. Um, yeah. you know, we, we've seen maybe like three or four movies now, which, uh, utilize some kind of, uh, you know, uh, disability now as like the main character, pl- uh, point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wait until dark with Audrey Hepburn where mm-hmm. she was blind and hush was a, what? 2016 movie with yeah. a deaf woman being stalked by a serial killer. Right. 
Uh, Don't breathe. I don't know if you saw that one. I, uh, I still haven't seen that one. Oh, okay. I think I think he might have been blind. Um, but this, so so yeah, there, there are a few movies out there, but this might be the first one that I think actually uses uh, someone with that uh, uh, disability, which I, I think is pretty neat that they did. Yeah, that. yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I, I, I really like that, that that they did that, and um, I, and I think this one a little bit more than the other ones did a good job of putting the audience uh, into that experience because I mean, they, the silence was like such a big component of this movie where I feel like the other ones didn't really put the viewer that much into the uh, the perspective of that character. Yeah, for sure. That, that's fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I agree. Uh, yeah. So it's so, so cool that it belongs to that category of films and that they kind of went this extra step and made it pretty uh, authentic and uh, gave, uh, I think it went a long way in, in giving the, uh, the audience that uh, feeling as well. Um, in, so the uh, the director here, Jim Krasinski, uh, are you are you a big fan of The Office? Uh, I was John Krasinski. Did oh, you say John. Jim Krasinski? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jim in The Office. <laughs> yeah, he should totally just be Jim. I don't know why he even has his real name anymore. Yeah, you should change it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I liked The Office a lot. It got a little bit uh, annoying to me after a while. It was kind of a one trick pony. Just yeah, like the awkwardness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's definitely built on But it was great. And Jim was great in it. <laughs> yeah. John, Jim. And a big thing in that show that he got a lot of credit for as an actor was like how much he could do with just a single facial expression. Like he'd yeah. give the camera a look. Right. Um, and I feel like that's huge in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, because there's so little dialogue in this movie. It, it is basically carried by his facial expressions, which, yeah, uh, you're, you're right. Like, that. that's kind of his big thing in The Office, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, it's, like, if a monster walks into the room and says something really awkward, he'll just look at the camera. <laughs> yeah, with that eyebrow raised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, I think to play a more serious role, uh, I feel like that beard really helped. I feel like without the beard, I don't know if he would have been as believable in this. Uh, yeah, I think the beard did, beard did help. He didn't have the beard in the first scene, I don't think. Oh, you know, I don't remember. Uh, oh, really? In the opening, he was, he was beardless? I think so. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, I guess, uh, yeah, being, being in a world where monsters have taken over, you're, you're gonna let a few things go, one of those being yeah. shitty. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, this, this, uh, I think is his directorial debut or his, his first, uh, uh, directorial, uh, movie that's been for wide release. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. He, he did direct two other ones first. I think this is the first one for like a big production company. Yeah. Yeah. Paramount. It. Right. Uh, first time doing horror though, right? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, and, and, and that's pretty cool because, uh, I mean, that, that was like very, very similar story to last year when, um, Get Out came out, and he had another like comedian, uh, Jordan Peele, who like does his you know first uh, directorial movie on on uh, on a wide release, and it's a uh, it's a scary movie. So it's a, I felt like there were a lot of parallels being drawn between these two. Yeah, it's a really interesting like like you said, two dudes previously known for comedy like dipping their foot in the horror genre and like crushing it. Yeah, and I that know. brings a lot of people into the theater who normally wouldn't see a horror movie too. I know. Yeah, it's expanding the audiences. It's crazy. Yeah, trying a lot of hype. I, th- yeah. I think there's something. So there's something to that. Um, and uh, Emily Blunt, his his real life wife, and also his wife in this movie. 
uh, I, I thought that was really cool that, uh, I mean, that, yeah, they bring the relationship on screen. I, 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 and then the, the, obviously the, the chemistry was there and they could kind of capitalize on it. That was, that was pretty neat. Yeah, for sure. Has she, have you seen her in any scary movies before? No, have you? No, I haven't. I do feel like out of everyone who was involved in this movie, though, she probably has like the most uh, screen, like big screen uh, feature film credit to her out of like all the names involved. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. For sure. She's a big movie star. Yeah. Right. But, I think, but he, what, go ahead. Was Devil Wears Prada her like breakout or like what catapulted her into the public consciousness? I thought that was the breakout for Anne Hathaway, but Emily Blunt was also in that. Oh, boy. I think so. I like didn't go too much into her filmography because I was like, oh, everyone knows who Emily Blunt is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except maybe me, apparently. I yeah. think she was no. in Devil Wears Prada, too. Yeah, you're probably right. She was, she was probably in that. Uh, yeah, she was in that. Yeah. Who? <laughs> did you Did you see that movie? No, I did not. Oh, okay. All right. I Yeah, I saw snippets of it, but uh, I'm not sure I remembered her from there. Uh, I, I just know... I, yeah, I don't know if I've, like, have, have you, is there a movie that she's been in that sticks out to you? I'm not sure if I've really seen her in anything. Yeah. The one movie I think that I have seen her in is uh, Sicario, which was, like, a, a great, like, uh, cool kind of uh, drug cartel uh, crime movie that uh, yep. was pretty dark. Did you see that one? I did see that. It's coming back to me. Uh, okay. And it, I thought she did a great job in that one. She, she, she was, was good in that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think she's really good because she can be funny, but then like play these really serious roles as well. Yeah, and these are two like really likable people. And a lot of times, the problem with a horror movie is that you don't have buy-in to the characters, or you don't yeah. really care what happens to the people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, this could have been a way worse movie, and you would still immediately care about Emily Blunt and John Krasinski because they're kind of a lovable celebrity couple, and they're both yeah. just naturally like likable characters. That, that, yeah, no, that's true. They, they have a lot of brand equity there. Um, yeah, and, for sure. And, you, know, you, you come in just liking them and lo- loving the fact that they're both on screen together and you, you just want more of them. Do you think that's cheating, though? <laughs> uh, no, man, I think it's a great way to <laughs> utilize that existing chemistry. And, you know, people yeah. always say, like, oh, you can totally feel the chemistry on yeah. screen. Yeah. And I always wonder, like, is that just because they're good actors and actresses? Like... Mm-hmm. you know Kelly and I could make a movie I don't think people would be like <laughs> people would be like they're awful yeah yeah I don't know what actually constitutes towards uh creating that good chemistry vibe I'm sure it uh, helps but they're both yeah. great actors too yeah yeah they, they both are pretty good and uh if I, if I think yeah the audience like coming into the movie you already know like they're married in real life and you love these guys to begin with which which definitely helps yeah it builds the hype yeah and uh, Millicent, uh, who plays the daughter, um, I don't. I, it looks like she's in something called Wonderstruck, which I'm not sure what that is. But have you seen? Yeah, her I never anything? saw that. Yeah. No, no, I hadn't heard of anything she was in. But yeah. she did great. The child actors were great too. Yeah, really strong performances by the kids. I, I definitely enjoyed them. Yeah, uh, they were good on it. Um, and then, uh, the, the, um, so the the, uh, the writers of this, uh, I, I I didn't. I think they had like a few like independent films, but again, like no one from no one who's like been big on the scene. These are I feel like it was like relatively all like new players in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aside from th- the big two headliners. Yeah, who John or Jim? Yeah, John and Emily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Jim, Jim Halford and Emily. Um, one, one thing that really surprised me, like in the opening credits, uh, Michael Bay was a producer on this movie. Did you see that? Yeah, so this is through his production company, Platinum Dunes. Yeah. Right. Um, which is apparently a company, I think it was started like specifically to dip into horror. Sure. Right. I, yeah, I mean, like they did The Purge, uh, Ouija, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, that name, it just surprised me because I feel like Michael Bay kind of has like not a great reputation right now and to, to throw his name like okay he's part of the production company but maybe you don't want his name attached to a lot of movies at this point i feel like he has a good reputation for visual effects like transformers and stuff like that oh yeah yeah that's true which i don't know how much i still need to like better understand how movies work i don't know that the production had anything the production company itself has anything to do with well, I'm sure it does. The effects in this movie were incredible, I thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the monsters looked great. Mm-hmm. I don't have any idea if that has anything to do with Michael Bay himself, but... Yeah. I mean, he. I guess he obviously like brings that budget probably to, to do it. Maybe yeah, I think that's really the... I think that's really what it is, is yeah. being able to make that come together and happen and get the right people together. And Yeah. Yeah, and I think this was a decently sized uh, budgeted movie. I think they spent like around seventeen million on it, which you know it's definitely not a an indie film or a low budget film at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a decent. I feel like that's not huge. It's not like super hero money, I don't think, but yeah, it's decent yeah, size. It's modest. Yeah, yeah, and it and made it. It made one hundred and fifty one million so far. It sounds like yeah, just in like two weeks. I mean, that's a uh, that's a pretty good return. It's nuts. Yeah, I read that it was the biggest domestic debut of this year behind Black Panther. Oh, no kidding. This is number two after... Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I can't yeah. think of any other uh, big moves that have come out so far this year. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's, that's cool. Um, and I feel like uh, this one got a lot of buzz right out the gate because their first uh, uh, trailer was in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah. They had a... what well, I feel like it was only like 15 or 30 seconds in the Super Bowl. Right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that, that's where it caught my attention. And then, yeah, I was, I was constantly, like, on the lookout for it. Like, when, when is this movie coming out? What movie is it? Uh, and then, like, the hype started building from there. But, I mean, that must have costed quite a bit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Got um, that Michael Bay money. Yeah, I know. That's what you get with that that, that big name. Uh, I saw that the original script was also being considered potentially as an installment for the Cloverfield film franchise. Did you see this? I did see that, and I still have not seen any of the Cloverfield movies. Ah, uh, really? Unfortunately, yeah. I need I need to. I tried the other week, and I got interrupted. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah. I think that's a good move. I'm glad it didn't end up happening. This this should stand by itself. Yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, however, uh, like part three of the Cloverfield series was so bad that I feel like this could have because uh, I feel like you know you had, one and two were pretty good, and then three just like killed the whole thing. Uh, which, yeah, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I, I feel like this could have saved the Cloverfield franchise, but selfishly, I mean, yeah, it's, it is good as a standalone movie and probably better that they kept it, uh, on, on its own. Yeah. Um, the music I, I liked, uh, it was done by a guy named Marco, uh, Betrami or something. I, I thought they did a really good job with the music, especially for, given it was a very silent film, uh, th- this guy, I thought his music was like spot on. I mean, did, did you have any... Uh, did, did the music jump out to you? 
Yeah, it, it like didn't necessarily, it jumped out to me, but didn't jump out to me. I feel like it was the perfect buildup of suspense, but it wasn't like intrusive. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't make you feel like the movie wasn't silent anymore. Like, yeah, it, it still was there for to enhance the cinematicness of it all. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't intrusive. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, I mean, that must have been a tough decision if to, to have music in this or, or not to, especially because most of it kind of plays out like a silent film. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. I but, think John Krasinski said he wanted to do that just to keep it like relatable to an audience. Like, I still want them to feel like they're watching a wide-release movie. Like, yeah. I don't want to like alienate the average moviegoer. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, I wonder if, uh, yeah, it would have been interesting to see how it would have been without, like, any music and, and just, like, yeah, more silence, but you're probably right, that maybe would have been a little alienating or put it, made it made it too artsy, maybe not as mainstream as, as they were going for. Yeah. Um, uh, this Marco Beltrami did a lot of horror movies. Oh, no kidding. What else has he done? Uh, Mimic, Faculty, Resident Evil, The Woman in Black, and wow. I think all the Scream movies. All the Scream movies? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and he was nominated for two Academy Awards, one for mm-hmm. 310 to Yuma and one for The Hurt Locker. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah, I did. I did. That was a great Man, movie. that was a... He did great building and tension in that movie, too. Ah, you know, I don't remember the music from that one, but I mean, that, that that was a pretty... Like, it wasn't like, a, like one of the top movies of the year? Like, a, it didn't get some Oscars? Um, it... I think it got Catherine Bigelow Best Director. I think she yeah. was the first woman to first win woman. Best Director. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So, so, so this guy's a seems like he's he's a legend in the uh, the film community when it comes to music. Yeah, he's also the source of my tenuous Northeast Ohio connection. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where that was coming from. You know, I I, I never find these things. I, I don't know how how you get them. Uh, before we go to that though, uh, the the last thing I, I kind of wanted to mention or, or just talk to you about. Uh, so this movie. I, I want to talk about the genre of modern horror, which I, I think uh, we've been in for like the last four or five years and some of the movies that are coming to the top. So if you had to pick like some of the best horror movies you've seen like in the last three or four years, like what, what, what would you call out? Uh, it Follows. Yeah. Likewise. That's probably my favorite. That's probably one of my favorites of all time. Me too, man. That's so weird. <laughs> it's it's yeah. wonderful. It, it uh, really is. Babadook, The Witch, yeah. Get Out. Ah, yeah. oh, man. How about I have you? All these, I had all those written down. <laughs> Sorry. The, 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 those were the four I had written down, too. And so that, that, that's, that, that's really interesting. That, that's funny. That, that, uh, but yeah, those are the four that kind of come to the top when you think about like the best uh, modern horror movies that have come out like in the last four to five years. I think It Follows maybe it was 2014. The Witch was 2015. Babadook also maybe 2015. Get Out, 2017. An interesting uh, kind of commonality across all of these, uh, it follows a uh, first-time director into the horror uh, genre. Uh, the Witch, I want to say, also Get Out, also Babadook, maybe that was one where they'd done one other movie. But I feel like modern horror is being defined by these people who are coming in and like w- with a very fresh perspective and uh, doing like a new take. Like All of those like were kind of pushing the boundaries on like your typical scary movie and that's kind of what's defining like uh, new horror movies. Are you are you picking up on that? Yeah, I guess I'm not totally sure. I I wasn't super aware of like the directors of the movies and what their background was. But one yeah. thing I noticed with all of them 
is that like modern horror definitely has this it's got certain conventions it's almost become like a paint by numbers thing mm-hmm and sometimes it works really well. Like The Conjuring is an example, I think, of like sure. using everything in the toolbox of a modern horror movie, but it, it does it really well. Yeah. Uh, and then there's plenty of movies that don't, and they, they do it all. Yeah. But like Babadook, The Witch, Get Out, they don't really rely on jump mm-hmm. scares as heavily. Uh, yeah. And they're like original concepts. Like the very concept itself is what's creepy. Right, um, yeah. Or they just, like, have a genius, um, like, threat or enemy or bad guy. Like, the Babadook monster, ghost, whatever you want to call it, was, like, beautiful and really intriguing. And then the It Follows is just a genius idea that it it can look like anybody. Right, Um, yeah. So they're all original and not really relying on camera tricks and angles. And, hey, there's someone closes a kitchen cabinet behind a mirror. Right. And there's a face in the mirror. Like, yep. all that shit gets old. It, it works sometimes if you do it really well, but mm-hmm. uh, these movies didn't rely on that. Yeah, they kind of went a little more unconventional with the scares. And I, I think you're right. It's it's more about, like, the premise and, and the gravity of the situation versus, like, those uh, tricks, I guess, that, like, yeah, films like Insidious, The Conjuring. Um, what? Who's that director that's been directing all these movies? We watch some of his films and you don't like them that much? Mike Flanagan. Yeah, Mike Flanagan, right. Yeah, the, those guys in, in, like, the paranormal activities. And, yeah, I, th- I think that's, like, becoming the the general scary movie. But then you have, like, yeah, this emergence of, like, these people who are fresh to the, the genre and a lot of them for the first time directing a movie. And, and you're right, like, they're focusing more on the story, the characters, versus, like, the traditional scares that we're used to. Yeah, they got more of a soul. Yeah. And I like that. I'm not, I feel like this is a really cool and exciting time to be uh, tracking the horror genre. Yeah, it's an awesome time. I mean, like, these movies are going to be... They'll, they'll remain on, like, top 10, top 20, top 100 horror movie lists for yeah. while, when our kids grow up and hopefully start watching horror movies. Yeah, exactly. And by, by then, everyone will forget about the 90s and the early 2000 uh, <laughs> yeah. movie engines. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting time. Uh, any other trivia before we dive into your Ohio connection? Um, I don't think I have too much other trivia worth mentioning. All right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I think it's funny because you know last week we talked about House on a Haunted Hill and and those movies have so much like story behind them and so much impact and uh, it's funny when we talk about these old movies versus the new movies which you know seem to come together relatively. Uh, in an uncomplicated fashion. It uh, doesn't make for too much trivia, but uh, it's, 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 it's still fun. Um, so h- how do you tie this to uh, our home state of Ohio? Uh, this is pathetic, but <laughs> in that I'm really <laughs> taking a roundabout way, but Marco <laughs> Beltrami, the guy who did the score, he also scored the Resident Evil movie with Marilyn Manson. Oh, okay. And Marilyn Manson was born in Canton, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> That's something we're very proud of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forget the Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Wait, Marilyn Manson was in Resident Evil? No, he scored it with uh, Marco. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Oh, oh, wow, I didn't know he was, uh, he was, he was uh, doing music for movies. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm not sure if, he, if that's a thing he does or what. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like every, everything I've heard from Marilyn Manson sounds like a horror movie soundtrack anyway. So yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, probably not a stretch. Well, yeah. that, 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 that's a good one. I'm, I'm glad you were able to find that uh, tie back. That's, that's good. Uh, cool, man. Well, uh, let's take a break here before we dive into what happens in this movie and talk about some of the spoilers. Um, in the meantime, I'm, I'm just going to go quickly check uh, my stairs. I need to see if I can find any nails that are sticking out of the floor so I can stab my wife when she walks down the stairs. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, we'll be right back. Right, and we're back. How's so, everything looking down there? Well, so there was one nail, but it wasn't like at the right angle. It was more at like 20 degrees, so I fixed it, and now it's sticking straight up. So for the <laughs> next hour, you and I can kind of just worry about what's what's going on with that nail. Yeah, hopefully there won't be any background noise in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully no we shouldn't ruin noise. it. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's any noise, like monsters are going to jump in and, uh, and kill everyone. Yeah. All right, so should we uh, dive into the plot here and, and uh, what, what goes down in this movie? Yeah, let's do it. Take okay. it away. All right, so, so the movie opens up very, like, Walking Dead style. Uh, there's a, a family in, like, an abandoned uh, pharmacy or, or grocery store, and uh, they're, they're buying some medicine for one of the kids is sick. And you see that they're like, uh, they're, they're three kids and a husband and wife. And, and that's, that's basically the whole family and also the cast for the entire film. And, um, they're getting some medicine for, for the sick child. Uh, you're introduced to, uh, the kids. You have, uh, one older child. Um, I wouldn't say older, but maybe, uh, well, the oldest child is, is a daughter. I, I think, uh, she was the oldest child, right? The girl. Yep. Yeah. And, and you see she's, she's wearing a hearing aid, so, so she's deaf, and they're, they're signing to each other a lot, so obviously, um, you know, they, they understand uh, sign language. Uh, her, her younger brother, uh, the middle child, is sick, and he's, he's, uh, the, the mother's getting some uh, medicine for him. And then the youngest child is, um, you know, maybe just, uh, I would say maybe like, what, four or five or six, maybe, in that range? Yeah, like five or six, yeah. Yeah, and so he's kind of running around. And everyone's barefoot, and it's just like very, it's, it's like deathly quiet. And all you hear is like the pitter-patter of their feet. Um, at one point, the kid is like reaching for an airplane that's on a shelf, and it almost falls to the floor, but luckily the older sister catches it. And, yeah. and then, uh, are, are we told yet what year it is or any context at this point, or this is kind of what we're thrown into? Um, the very first thing you see on the screen before any of this is, uh, it just says day 89. Oh, yeah. Right. It says 89. But we don't know, like, which year or anything, right? No. Okay. Not yet, yeah. at least. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's day 89. People are uh, in a pharmacy. They're, they're getting medicine. Kid finds, like, a, a toy airplane he wants to take. Um, and then uh, he puts... Uh, suddenly, like, everyone gets really worried because the kid suddenly put, like, these batteries in this toy airplane. And uh, the father, Jim Halpert, or, or John Krasinski... Uh, just shakes his head and is like, nope. And, he, and well, I mean, they don't say it. He, he says no, and then he signs, like, too loud. And uh, they make him put the plane back. So then they start to leave the, the store, 
And uh, the oldest sister turns back and sees the the youngest kid again, and he's like all heartbroken because he didn't get to take that plane. And uh, and she feels bad, so she gives him the plane and is like, you know what, just uh, just take it. Again, complete silence. No one's saying anything. Uh, you know, uh, it, yeah, theater is complete silence. No music, no nothing. All you hear is their, their footsteps on the ground. So then they're walking uh, in what looks like an abandoned town. And, uh, and it, you know, I, I, I feel like you're introduced to the cinematography here where, like, there's some beautiful uh, footage of, like, the scenes and, like, the woods and everything, right? Yeah, the scenery is really pretty. It was filmed in upstate New York, so oh, okay. very woodsy. Uh, yeah. And it's like the idyllic small town, deserted, but mm-hmm. there's like a quaint little main street. So it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it must have been like around a, a fall time because I feel like it's got like that really nice, uh, you have some dead leaves and stuff and uh, it, it just, it, it looks really nice. Yeah. Um, so they're walking, you know, out of, out of this like small town that's deserted and they're coming in, they're in the woods now, and then they're about to cross a bridge, and suddenly, uh, you know, all the, all, the whole family's walking, the youngest kid with the airplane is, is in the background, and uh, suddenly he turns the plane on, and the sirens start moving, the lights come on, and the dad, who's furthest ahead, like, just stops and freezes, and he kind of, like, gives, like, an oh shit face, and turns around, and he starts running towards the kid who's, like, playing with this uh, airplane now that's, like, you know, has a siren noise going and some lights flashing. And I think while he's running towards the kid, uh, you also see something in the mo- in the woods moving very quickly, right, Brian? Yeah. Yeah. And in the color and the, and, and it, uh, the, the, the way it is is you, you can't really make – you can't really see what it is. It blends in with the trees, but they're just, like, a figure moving really fast in the trees – while the father's, like, running for his kid and, like, racing, trying to get to him. And, uh, I don't know, I, f- I feel like he was a few te- a few seconds too slow. The next thing you see is the kid just gets, like, tackled by something really quickly and, and suddenly the kid's gone. And that's that's where the first opening scene cuts, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah. So p- pretty chilling opening, and, and right away you kind of... I, I, I think most people coming into this movie kind of know the, the, the premise that uh, this is a movie about monsters who are attracted to the sound but I, if you're not that i mean do, do you think that you get that vibe from the opening or that it explains yeah. everything yeah for sure because they were really going out of their way to be quiet in the pharmacy and they communicate using sign language um so they mm-hmm. do a good job in that first scene of like building tension and making the family likable um yeah not necessarily likable but like you get a, a glimpse of everybody um, yeah and you understand you know, what they're doing and what their situation is. Yeah. And, and then super intense. And yeah, of that first scene. Were, were you were you like scared at all? Or I, I, I thought with the lack of sound, it made like that first attack, like very intense. And it just how quickly it like cuts right after that kid's just like tackled. Yeah. That's just, a, I hate previews, man, because I, you, you knew exactly what was going to happen. You basically saw that whole scene almost mm-hmm. in the preview, even though it was like, you really saw like five to ten seconds of that scene in the previews, but it really told you everything you needed to know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that I, took some of the wind out of its sails, but I don't blame mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is a good opening premise, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting that they, they kind of gave that one away. But yeah, yeah you're right, it's, that's the tone. There's obviously something in the woods that you, you want to be really quiet for, otherwise you're going to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, okay, so, yeah, quick opening, and, and then basically you jump uh, a year ahead of time, where in that year John Krasinski has grown a beard, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah. And they're, and they're living... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, like, living on this farm life, and they're living, like, a very quiet life where, like, every part of uh, their world, like, they, you know, they, they only speak in sign language. They, they're, like... Uh, oh, and, and the wife is suddenly pregnant now because um, apparently uh, someone thought it would be a, big, a good idea to bring a child into this world where you can't make any noise. Um, there's obviously uh, some uh, friction going on where between the oldest daughter and the father, where he keeps trying to create these um, hearing aids for her that work, uh, and she's getting frustrated. And at the same time, you can tell she's kind of dealing with this guilt of having... uh, She takes some responsibility for the fact that she gave her youngest brother uh, that airplane that got him killed. So she's kind of carrying that guilt around. So you have these damaged characters that are surviving in complete silence, which I I thought was kind of an interesting uh, context to set the movie in. For sure. And just to clarify, the hearing aids don't work. He's he's trying to make one that works, and he keeps failing. Yeah. Why why don't they work, and why didn't he just go get some more? You know, I imagine it's probably something hard to come by. I think maybe they're made um, specifically for each oh. person. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not totally sure. I don't know if it's... I don't think it's something you can just walk into a drugstore and get. Yeah, and pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is just, yeah. I don't think they say what his background was before all this happened, but he's just like tinkering in his basement trying to make these, like doing research on it. So I don't think yeah. he really knows anything about it. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got like a bunch of spare parts. He's got kind of a lab set up in the basement, a bunch of like TVs with monitors on them. And then like, yeah, a, a bunch of uh, hearing aids that he's trying to like tinker with and, and make one work. And yeah. you, you see a scene where like he gives her one, and she's like, you know, just upset about it. She's like, you know, they never work, and all, all in sign language. So, I mean, so far, no one's like spoken a word in this movie, right? Correct. Yeah. So okay, so they they kind of tell you like you know how they're living a year from now, um, or a year from when when they lost their uh, child or the, the youngest child, um, uh, and and there's a scene where uh, they, it lets you know that the monsters are still out there. There's that scene where the kids are like playing a game and one accidentally like tips over a lantern and uh and and you hear like like everyone like is really scared and like uh like hold still and you hear like something moving around but fortunately nothing comes in yet and uh you see something some uh what was it, like mice are like scuttling around and then yeah i think it was raccoons oh yeah and and, and you see them like going in the woods and like one gets like pulled into the into the darkness by like some kind of creature so you, you kind of know they're these monsters are out there, like, in these woods. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a good way to show, like, you know, mm-hmm. the situation's still in full effect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you gotta give this movie props for, like, not having any dialogue. Like, they really tell you a lot of story w- without any speaking and, and just by, you know, showing what's going on in the screen. Yeah, and it was only an hour and a half, so it was super efficient, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Every every, every scene, I, think, I feel like, is pretty purposeful. Yeah. So then it cuts to, to one day where the dad... And, you know, I don't think in this movie they ever say the names of the characters, do they? I don't think they do, because was, I was looking it up, I was like, oh, these are their names. I had no idea what any yeah. of their names were. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> when you look it up, they have names. But in the movie, they, they never tell them, which it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what, one day the father uh, is going hunting for fish, and he wants to take the son with him. Uh, the daughter wants to go, but he says no uh, for some reason. And I'm assuming the reason was, and everyone kind of assumes, like even the son assumes, that it's because 
this father is still kind of, uh, I don't know, hurt that this uh, daughter might have you know, led to the death of the youngest kid. Do, do you think that was the reason? I don't know if that was the father's reason. He just told her that she needed to stay home with her mother, who yeah. was very pregnant. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Super pregnant. Yeah. And then he told the mom, you know, she can come next time as he was leaving. Yeah. So right. I don't think it was necessarily a slight to her, but mm-hmm. she took it as one. Yeah. And I yeah. think, I don't know, the son, I think he thought the same thing, too, because they have a discussion about it later. Yeah, so I, I think that, that leads us up to like one of the first talking scenes. So the, the father and son go on, the, the daughter's upset, and she like goes back to her room to kind of pout a bit, and uh, the mother is back at home doing housework. Um, but yeah, the, the father and son, they, they, go, they go fishing. The son is like pretty spooked the whole time. Like he, he doesn't want to be out there. He's really scared. And yeah. uh, the, the dad starts talking to him, like, which, which is, you know, I think the first time we hear dialogue in this movie. And he explains to the son, like, you know, we're by the water or, like, we're by a waterfall. So, like, when this water is going or there's, like, a loud noise, you can kind of talk to each other and, like, even, like, scream into the water if you want because we're, we're protected, which I wonder how he figured that out. I would, how do you think he figured out, like, when it was safe to speak? I, mean, I, I feel like there's, like, some trial and error there, right? Yeah, I mean, they've been at this for over a year, so, you know, he could have just dropped something by the river one day and been like, oh, no, and then <laughs> and realized happened. that nothing happened. Yeah. 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 Um, and he's been, like, researching these monsters um, yep. just through, like, newspaper articles. and Yeah. Um, which I thought was cool. Like, it's not a complete apocalypse. Like, mm-hmm. the world was aware that this was happening and there were newspaper articles published about it, but they're still, they don't have any contact with anybody. Yeah, I assumed that those newspaper articles that you see in, in his basement lab are from a time when people, like, were still around. Uh, you th- you think yeah, those I were- think it was when, like, as it was happening. Yeah. So I guess yeah, you right. don't know if there are still people alive, but uh, mm-hmm. you, it was like a, it wasn't like a all of a sudden everyone was gone thing. It was yeah. happening. Well, yeah, I, I, There was yeah. some progression. You're right. And, and I think I failed to mention uh, that one night you see him, you know, before they go out on this fishing trip, where he climbs up to the top of, uh, what is that, like a grain silo? Is that what you called him? Yep. And, and he lights a fire, and he looks out onto the hills, and you can see, like, other fires being lit. So I assume there are, like, those are other people, right? Oh, I didn't even catch that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought that's, a, that's what I saw. It was, like, he was, he was up there, he, he lights a fire, and then, like, uh, he sees, like, other people lighting fires, like, in the distance, like, like in, uh, on the hills, like, other people, like, lighting fires. Okay, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I, I saw that. It might be something to check back on. Uh, okay, so so yeah, they're on this they're on this uh, fishing trip, um, and and meanwhile, uh, the daughter, you know, she's at home. She's upset that she didn't get to be taken out on it. She's still like feeling guilty about like what happened to her brother. Uh, so she like kind of puts her book bag on and leaves the house without her mother knowing, and goes to pay tribute to uh, where uh, the brother had died, where they've like set up a memorial. Uh, meanwhile, the, uh, the father and the, uh, the son, uh, they finish their fishing trip, they're heading back, and they run into this, uh, and they're in the woods, and they run into this guy, uh, who has, like, just found out that, like, uh, or has just found the, like, the dead body of, like, what you assume is his wife, and she's, like, all ripped up, and this guy is about to scream, and, uh, John Krasinski, the father, he puts a uh, he puts his finger to his mouth trying to hush this guy. I mean, like you know, uh, just like warning him, like you know, don't make a noise. But this guy just like can't help it, and he yells, 
So John Krasinski uh, grabs his son and they run and like hide behind a tree. And again, you hear like something quickly running through the woods that just kind of slices up this guy. But I don't think you see the monster, right? Not in that scene, no. I took that as that man committing suicide. Oh, you know, I, I like, didn't uh, see it that way. That, that's interesting. Do you think he was just like, like giving his, up? Yeah, yeah. I think his wife was dead and he was like, I'm going to stand here and scream. Yeah. So yeah. that I can end it all. That makes sense. It was, it was more, yeah, that's a, I, I thought it was out of agony, but maybe, yeah, yeah that makes a lot more sense. He just like. Because he scre- like, scre- it wasn't like a scream of agony. It was like a yeah, purposeful, I'm, I'm going to make a loud noise. Yeah, yeah um, come, come get me. Quick side note, this old man uh, <laughs> is the guy who played the Malibu police chief in The Big Lebowski. I don't know if you know that movie well or not. Uh, I, I know the movie. Does he? Is he the one that comes and like busts up the party or something? I can't remember what. Oh, I feel like he ends up at the Malibu police office after he's drugged. Yeah, I feel like he go, he was um, like oh yeah, <laughs> and then like. That he's like, I'm trying to keep it clean around here. I can't even remember. Yeah, there's so many mo- people that l- absolutely love that movie that are, yeah, really angry at me for not knowing exactly what the <laughs> line is. But we just made a bunch of enemies. <laughs> yeah, my, it's my wife's favorite movie, so yeah, I recently uh, watched it with her. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great one. No. Uh, okay, wow, interesting cameo. Uh, or I, I guess I mean it's interesting that he would surface up after so many years and in, in this role. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, so, again, you know, I think that scene goes away to show, yeah, the, this thing is in the woods, you make a noise, it is going to come get you and kill you, uh, the monsters are very real. Meanwhile, back at the house, uh, the, the mother is there, she's going about her business, doing some housework, doing some laundry, and, uh, and, and very pregnant, and you see her, uh, at this one scene, and she's taking laundry from the basement to upstairs, and the laundry gets caught on, like, a nail that's on the stairs. So she pulls and pulls, and finally, like, she pulls it out. But in the process of doing so, the nail kind of uh, comes, and, and now it's, like, standing up at a 90-degree angle, and it's on these stairs. And she doesn't see that, and she just, like, keeps going on. And now, like, I feel like it puts the audience in a panic, right? Because, like, you're just thinking, like, they've just set up this device here, which is going to hurt someone uh, at some point, right? I mean, did yeah, you want the camera. Edge? Yeah, for sure. The camera lingers on this nail sticking yeah. straight up on a step yeah so you know what's gonna happen <laughs> yeah and that's like all you can think about I mean, it's like a home alone moment but it's like wow that's yeah that's gonna be pretty bad <laughs> so so she she goes upstairs and suddenly uh i think she starts having uh contractions and you know her, her water breaks i mean I, I, earlier you see she was looking at a calendar and she was like it wasn't due for like another two weeks which Brian, you've had a kid, so I mean, I, I feel like within two weeks you're in the danger zone, right? I mean, you could you could go any time, right? Yeah, I think uh, three weeks prior to your due date is still considered full term. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're in the danger zone for sure. Yeah, so I, I question their thinking in abandoning her at this point, and also, I mean, obviously, like, why are you having a kid when this is happening? But they, I, I feel like that was you know kind of a mistake to like leave her. Uh, uh, yeah, being so close to, you know, being pregnant. So obviously now her water's broken, she's being pregnant. So I think this is like when she rushes downstairs and the nail goes straight up into her foot. And, yep. uh, does she scream or she like drops a picture? She makes like, she makes a noise, right? She drops a picture. She's holding a framed picture for some reason. She drops it, it shatters. And I think she screams. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Anil just went so, through a foot. She's yeah. She just went into labor. So yeah. now the monster comes to the house. Like she's like she's runs in the basement, hides, and now the monster's in the house, and she's just like kind of like trying to sneak. And this is kind of where we first get like to see the, the f- full glimpse of the monster, right? Yep. Yeah. And how how would you describe it? Kind of like a long limbed, uh, I don't know, big big headed thing, or what, what do you think? Yeah, it's kind of like a long limbed humanoid. It's kind of like the aliens from Alien, oh, but yeah. a bit more human and like a bit more typical human head shape. Yep. Um, but still like big long limbs and giant fingers and claws. Yeah. Uh, did you ever play Resident Evil 2? Uh, the video game? No. There were these monsters in that called Lickers, mm-hmm. and it looked a lot like those to me. Oh, interesting. Have you ever seen uh, Stranger Things? Yes. Oh, yeah, it did kind of look like the monster from Stranger Things. Yeah, because, like, the head kind of, like, opened up in a similar way. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, so it, these monsters are, like, completely armored. Oh, That's yeah. That's one thing that you learn earlier in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they have, like, these huge ears on their face pretty much, right? Yep. Or they just go by sound. So, yeah, so so, so this pregnant uh, mother now who's in labor is, like, stuck in the basement while this, like, monster is, like, basically going around. She can't make a single noise, otherwise it'll hear. And uh, somehow, like, she sneaks up the stairs and uh, gets uh, upstairs into, like, the bathtub while this, like, monster is, like, roaming the house, like, you know, listening and, like, hearing her and, like, kind of tracking her down. So she's in this bathtub. Uh, While she was in the basement, there was a button that she hit that made all the lights around the farm turn red. Which kind of served as a warning. So, like uh, at this time, the father and the son are coming back, and they see that the lights are red. They know something's going on. That you know, there's a monster, and suddenly he knows like his wife is in danger. Uh, so he tells the son like, "Go run and like hit the hit these uh, hit the fireworks." They I guess they have like a uh, some fireworks off in the distance that shoot off into the air and will make a big diversion. So this kid yep. is running. While this kid is running. Uh, the mother is, like, in, in the bathtub, like, having contractions and, like, just trying, like, her hardest not to scream. And this monster is, like, coming closer and closer. And uh, and then I feel like the way they showed it is, like, the monster is, like, right at the bathtub and suddenly, like, the fireworks go off. And yeah. then the next thing you see is, like, uh, the father runs into the house up the stairs. The bathtub is empty. There's, like, blood there. And you think that, yeah, maybe the monster got her. But then, like, she's in the bath- bathroom and she's, like, delivered the baby. Yeah, she like a bloody hand hits the glass of the shower, and yeah. she's in the shower. Uh, yeah, which is like a separate unit from the tub uh, right. with the baby. Yeah, baby's been born. What do you, that, that was a pretty quick, from what I understand, uh, delivery. It's, what do, what yeah, do you, it was. I mean, it can happen for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess. I guess, especially in such a stressful situation. I mean, uh, yeah. Hey, things happen. So anyway. Uh, he, uh, him and the wife now with the baby are at the house. They go into like a bunker to hide that he's created. And it's interesting because he's created like this uh, kind of coffin for the baby to like put the baby in to to mute the sound that the, of the baby crying and like put, puts like a little mask over the baby, which I thought was pretty smart on his point, on his part. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. They had an oxygen mask set up and put it on the baby and then put the baby in this box essentially, soundproof yeah. box. Yeah, so despite despite the bad parenting decisions of having a kid in this environment, uh, fortunately, he thought about like ways to protect the baby, which which was good. 
so and then, and, but now like the other two kids are out there. Like the the daughter is still like coming back from the uh, from the memorial, and and the son is like you know shot the fireworks, and he ran into the woods, and then got really scared because he thought he heard something, and basically ran into like a ran really fast in the corn stalk, and like ran into a, a set of tires and got knocked out or something. But anyway, yeah, the, I think. Oh, go ahead. I think they had like some old equipment out there, like yeah. farm equipment that he ran into and got yeah. knocked unconscious, presumably. Yeah, exactly. Just or like running over really quick. at least. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, basically, the the the, the deaf uh, daughter is coming back, and uh, she sees like you know flashlight there. And she goes and looks for him, and it, she goes and like finds her brother hiding there. And in in the process, uh, one scene that was really cool is like she's like she sees you know the flashlight on the ground. She's like looking around, and like a monster comes up behind her. Um, and she, uh, is like playing with the, the earpiece that her father gave her and creating like this crazy feedback from it, which like drives the monster away. So I think at that point we kind of start to realize that the monster does have a weakness. It's the feedback from, uh, for, it's like these high pitched uh, feedback noises, right? Yeah. And I don't think it was her playing with it that created the feedback. It was that as the monster got closer, oh. the, the hearing aid created some sort of feedback. Oh, no kidding. It was like there too. It was like when a microphone gets too close to a speaker, that that principle. That's, that, that's what it was. I, I thought she was like putting her hand up there and like doing something with it. And then that drove it away. But she was putting her hand up there because it was painful. Like super loud noise. It's driving that feedback. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's the first time we get that hint. Uh, so the brother and sister reunite and they go up to like this grain silo, uh, because I think that's supposed to be like a safe point. Uh, meanwhile, like the father and the mother are like in this bunker and the mother's like, you got to go find our kids. Um, you know, if we can't protect them, what kind of parents are we? So he leaves to go find them. Uh, and, uh, and they, that is another, one of the other only scenes with actual dialogue. Cause they're down in this like soundproof basement. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. They're so they actually about. say that, uh, yep. through verbal speech. And I think her exact line was, uh, who are we if we can't protect them? Right. Yeah. Which as, yeah, for the, for the few lines you have in this movie, I, I think that's a that's an important one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he, he wanders out to go find them. Uh, they're, like, on top of a grain silo, and, and they're having, like, an argument where she's like, you know, my father, our father doesn't love me because I did this, and the son's trying to be like, no, no, he still loves you, but whatever. But then he falls into the grain silo, making a lot of noise. Uh, she jumps in after him, and they're, like, stuck in this, like, grain silo now. Um, and... Uh, and then suddenly the, 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 the monster, like, shows up and, like, uh, jumps in there with them. And they're, like, freaking out. And again, I guess, because of the, the monster being so close, the, the earpiece, again, gives that feedback and it, it drives that monster away, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he so, darts out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just, like, tears open the, the silo. Like, it cuts through the metal and, like, runs out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then meanwhile, so the father's left, but the, the mother is in, in the basement, which... She's fallen asleep, but when she wakes up, she realizes all this water has been pouring into the basement or into this bunker, and now like the the baby's like floating on on this water and in, in this coffin thing that he's created, and there's a monster in the basement. Uh, so she's like, "Shit! Like I, I gotta save them. I gotta save my baby," and and this monster is like now like kind of underwater, and and she's like she she wades into the water to grab the baby. The the monster like comes up. Like, just as, like, she's pulling the baby out and she, like, hides behind, like, where the water's falling down. And the monster, like, comes really close. And that, that was a pretty, like, intense scene again 
where it's like that silent. was very intense, and yeah. there was like no, there were no like tricks about it. It was just like the situation itself was yeah. tense and scary. Like yeah. It was shot really well. Yep, but it wasn't like the typical horror bag of tricks. Right. Yeah, just a very like intense. The monster is very close, like right in front of her. There's a waterfall between them, like a single noise, like this whole thing would have broken in, and they would have been gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, somehow, uh, she escapes again. And uh, I, don't, I don't know where, where, where she goes, but I think she goes back to the basement with the monitoring cameras. And uh, meanwhile, the, the father finds the two kids that are you know now safe from the grain silo. But they're trying to make their way back to the house, and, and uh, they, they, they hear the monsters in the woods around them. So he like puts them in a pickup truck. And in some kind of bravado moment... I don't know what he was thinking, but he like picks up an axe and he's like, I'm going to fight this uh, monster because like he feels like they're under attack and he's got to like defend his family. So uh, he like goes to to try to get it. uh, But the monster is like right above him and basically like just like swipes him and like cuts his stomach open. And the the kids are freaking out. They're like screaming in the pickup truck, trying to draw that monster's attention there. So now the monster is going after them and like attacking the pickup truck. Like, and so now the father's like, shoot, you know, he's, he's got to save the kids. So in the last uh, moments, uh, he kind of, uh, he, he does sign language to say, I've always loved you to the kids. And then like, yeah, he's, I feel like he's specifically looking at his daughter. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. earlier when they were at the river, him and his son, his son told him like, he was like, do you still love her? And John Krasinski was like, of course I do. He's yeah. like, well, you should tell her. Yeah. So yeah, this exactly. was kind of a, the set up for this yeah yeah so you know you know like she doesn't feel like it and he knows that like you know the, the kid like everyone else feels like he doesn't love her anymore so this was his way of like proving or like, i guess or like you know as a final statement he's like telling her i've always loved you and then and then he screams and i feel like that was like a, a very a very powerful scream like I, that was like his best performance at that point yeah uh, yeah it was a powerful moment yeah he's sacrificing himself yep so the monster goes kills him and the kids meanwhile like hit hit the pickup truck brakes and they go uh, rolling down the street back home. The mother like watched this whole thing from the basement on one of the video cameras. They make their way home back into the basement. They're all crying. Uh, and then a monster comes into the basement again. And this is like, you know, a critical scene. You have the whole family down there, the baby, the, 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 the brother, the sister, the mother, this monster that's right around them. And, and like basically sniffing them out pretty intense again. And uh, luckily the earpiece goes off again. And this time, the daughter somehow figures out. She's like, wait, there's something to this thing where, like, every time this monster's around me, this feedback goes off. Uh, maybe it's, like, their weakness. And so she, like, puts it up to a microphone, and, like, it, it gives that screeching noise, and it's, it, like, basically, like, puts the monster in, like, a lot of pain, and it's, it's like, skin, like, shrivels back. All the armor goes back. And Emily Blunt, like, steps forward right at the right moment and, like, just, like, shoots it and, and kills it, right? Yeah, she's got a shotgun and shoots it in the head, like, as its head armor is, like, opening up to reveal, like, pink flesh beneath. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I I can't remember if you remember, if you mentioned it, but there was a microphone down there because there's a radio down there that John Krasinski uses to try to contact people. Yeah, right, like, yeah. Gets get an SOS signal out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, he was, he was trying to do that in one of the earlier scenes where they're showing, like, the, the post-apocalyptic world and... Him, him trying to reach out to people, which it looked like pretty unsuccessful, unsuccessfully. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, she uses that microphone, puts like the earpiece right next to it. Loud noise, uh, alien like air monster, whatever retracts. She kills it. Then they're like, "Oh, we just found out a way how to kill all these monsters." 
uh, and, and they're like, you know, pretty happy. And then they look at the screen and they see like uh, two or three monsters are making their way towards the house after like, you know, the sound of the gunshot and everything. And uh, Emily Blunt, the mother, basically, uh, uh, was it cocks the shotgun? Is that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> you cock it? C- clearly we're not gun guys. <laughs> yeah, um. And then, and then, and then the, and then that's the end. That's like where it cuts, right? Yeah. So for, before they show her cocking the shotgun, they show the daughter like crank up the volume on the stereo. Oh yeah. Uh, and or the microphone. And yeah. then she looks over at Emily Blunt and she cocks the shotgun and it fades. It cuts the black. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was an awesome ending. Yeah. It was a really cool way to end it. Cause it's like, wow, they're, you know, they're, they're ready to fight it now and they know. And, and, uh, I don't, you don't think it's like setting up for a sequel, right? No, I think it was pretty clear what was going to happen. I mean, you could make a sequel no matter what, even if this family survives. Yeah. There's still a whole world out there. Yeah. Um, but one thing I was thinking throughout the movie is like, uh, this movie is like perfect, but like what, it, it seems like a lot of my favorite horror movies have some bit of like levity to them. Yeah. Uh, which this movie didn't have at all, but mm-hmm. I thought that ending kind of wasn't necessarily levity, but it was like, finally let you be like hell yeah like yeah they've got this now like it was just kind of a badass scene with her cocking that shotgun yeah yeah it was it was yeah it kind of like uh yeah it's like a a sign of positiveness and like hope and yeah it was just like a nice like tonal change to like end the movie on it was was really interesting yeah and even in this movie was it was dark intense and emotional but it wasn't like bleak like the characters were likable they talked to each other they expressed love to each other yeah. Um, they had a couple of like charming scenes here and there. Yeah. Um, I, I know we talked about this. I think it was when we watched the black coats daughter. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> that movie just had like no light to it at all. Like yeah. nothing likable. When a movie is that dark and bleak, it's hard to like it. Yeah. Uh, exactly. I think this managed to balance like being really heavy and emotional, mm-hmm. but still having like lovable characters and touching relationships. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. All, all, all I think, you know, based on the strength of like the characters and the actors and in, in a world where like there, w- there was no dialogue, but like their minimal like communication with each other really like, yeah, it made you invested in them and, and, and like them, which I, th- I think is a pretty big feat. Yeah, for sure. When you don't have any, barely any spoken dialogue and your movie's only an hour and a half, like yeah, they really accomplished a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, this is the type of movie where, like, I, I feel like at the, like, you don't, you're, like, holding your breath the whole time, because it's, like, so silent, and you're, like, on, like, I feel like for, like, the last sequence, uh, of an hour, and again, like, it's not a very long movie, but, like, the last, like, half hour, 40 minutes, it's just, it's just like, they're hunting, and, and, uh, you don't know what's gonna happen, and you're trying to be as quiet as the characters, and, like, the, the, as soon as the movie's over, like, you're finally, like, you're realizing, like, you haven't, you know, taken a breath for, like, the last hour or so. Did you, do you feel like yeah. that? Yeah, um... I, as you were saying, like, uh, at the beginning of this conversation that it's cool to get back into the theater again. Yeah. Nobody was, like, audibly... A lot of times in horror movies you get, like, a bunch of audible gasps or, like, people laughing at false scares or... Uh, the movie theater was dead silent, even though it was absolutely packed. Like, I got one of the last seats in there. Oh, wow. Wow. On a Sunday night? Yeah, it was Sunday night at 8 p.m. So I was, oh like, God. running a little late. I was like, oh, it's fine. And then she, like, turned the screen around for me to pick my seat, and there were three left, and I picked the only one that wasn't, like, in the first row. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah, it's, oh, it's doing pretty well. Uh, yeah, I, and I, I heard that too. Before going to this movie, it's like one where you don't want to buy popcorn for, or don't want to like have candy in your hand because it is like so silent. They're just yeah, and they they did that really well. And I I don't know if I hadn't watched it in a theater if like that would have translated well. It's like an at home setting. It was a great movie to watch in the theater. Yeah, yeah. What do you think the silent most silent movie theater treat you could get would be? Oh God. A drink without ice, maybe? Oh, su- <laughs> Swedish fish. Go! Oh, man, I think you nailed it. <laughs> what do you think? But you got to chew a little bit. I feel like it's got to be something you could suck on. Oh, yeah. So it's like gobstoppers, but then they rattle around in the container. Ah, yeah, right, yeah, you're pointing that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of shit like this, the movie did a good job of, like, uh, not having too many, you can always tear a movie apart like this and be like, they could have done a better job soundproofing, or if they made that soundproof place for them to like have the baby, why didn't they just like live in a place like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, with a movie like this, it's impossible to have those things not exist. Like mm-hmm. you can always poke holes. Yeah, but they did a pretty good job of keeping it tight. Like, yeah, the characters were smart. Um, in that first scene when they're walking from the pharmacy back to their house, mm-hmm. there's a giant trail of sand from mm-hmm. town to their house. So they've like covered this path in sand so that they don't make much noise when they oh, walk. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Interesting. Yeah. And then like the lighting, the like Christmas lights outside, they have the option to turn them red in an emergency. That's really smart. Like, yeah, it, they know what they're doing. Uh, and like the writers thought things through. Wow, I mean, that, that's interesting, because I, I kind of left with the opposite of mine, because I, I was like, yeah, why don't they just have, a, like, a speaker set up, like, uh, a mile away from the house that's, like, super loud and then just, like, blast that all day, uh, or, like, have, like, an easy way to, like, activate sound in another area, because obviously, I think electricity was still running, so it just seemed like it would have been easy to project sound somewhere else if you had to create a diversion, and it was surprising. That's what I would think, too, like, just create so much white noise in your house that they couldn't hear you speak. Yeah, right, Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he kind of explains that, that that's how it works, like when they were by the waterfall, right? Yeah. But again, easier said than done. They don't have infinite resources. I guess. The only way they can get into town is walk, and they can't bring back anything that's they can't haul on foot or that would make any noise. Yeah, yep. So. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I guess. Yeah, you can't, you can't be too harsh on them. I mean, this is not an environment any of us have been in. So it's tough to... Tough to actually uh, say. Uh, did you feel like... I, I've read a lot of people saying this movie is like a, a commentary on parenting. And did you feel like that? And did you feel like there were good parents? I feel like there was definitely a lot of themes on parenting. Uh, that's undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that it was like a pro-life type argument or making a pro-life statement. I, <laughs> Interesting. I, don't, I think people are reading too much into that. Yeah. Yeah. But there was like definitely a, a deep, huge parenting themes. I mean, it yeah. was like all about his relationship with the daughter and them. Mm-hmm. Like she says, if we can't protect them, who are we? And then that leads him to sacrifice himself. Like, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it plays a big role in this movie. Is is the the parent to child relationships and him, him yeah. really like yeah playing up the role of the father and yeah, yeah. That was like the heart and soul of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I was a little more critical on them. I, I didn't think he was that great of a parent because, uh, you know, basically, like, yeah, abandoning, like, a, a pregnant wife. Well, yeah, so, so one, like, the idea the the idea that it, it was a good idea to have a kid in, in this world where 
uh, any sound is going to get, like, basically put the whole family at risk. So I feel like they took a risk by uh, having uh, a child, given that, you know, like, babies are going to cry, and then you're going to attract monsters that are going to kill all of you. So I feel like he put his entire family's life in danger. Uh, secondly, like, I, I feel like there were times that you uh, didn't have, like, the kids top of mind. Um, like, uh, I don't know, like, yeah, leaving the, the, the wife uh, and the daughter behind, like, when they go on that camping trip. Um, but, um, like, he, I think his justification there was that, A, he needs to fish so they can have food. B, his son needs to learn to yeah. take care of himself because any one of them could die at any moment. Yeah. Uh, so he would need his son to take care of himself and the others. Yep. And he left the daughter home with the mom. Like, she wasn't, in, the daughter wasn't incompetent. Yeah. But the daughter ran away. So that was the, that yeah. was the daughter's fault that the mom was home alone. Yeah, but it was just surprising that the mother, like, had no idea, like, where her daughter was, or, like, what her daughter was doing. I just feel like in such a scary world, like, I would be, like, paranoid the whole time, like, not want, like, anyone out of your sight at once. But they were, I feel like they were pretty lax for the the situation. Yeah, maybe after about a year and yeah. a half or so, they, they slowed <laughs> down a little bit. Yeah, kind of normalizes like, things. Let their guard down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how did you feel about the fact that they never, like, went into, like, the backstory of the monsters? Like, did you want to know, like, were these aliens or, like, how these came about or you were fine not knowing? I love it. I love not knowing. They'd just ruin it if they had tried to explain it. Yeah, yeah. What, thought, do, what do you think? I agree. I agree. And part of me was, like, very curious, but I, I, I do like there was, like, no explanation. It's just, like, these monsters are here and and they've somehow yeah. taken over the world. Yeah. We don't need to know. Yeah. I think, I think what would have worked is if they had, if, if I was in a situation, I, I would have gotten a boat and lived on the, on the water. If, I think you would have been safe that way. Yeah, that's true. It was a long way to walk to water, though. Uh, yeah. You said they were in New York, right? Yeah, upstate New York. I'm not sure if that's like, I don't know if they ever um, let you know where the story unfolds. That's just where it was filmed. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And uh, and actually, in that one scene, you do see the water, the monsters go underwater when when they're in the basement. Uh, so I'm not sure what their presence was in the ocean, but yeah, that, that could have been tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else you liked or thought could have been better in this movie? One thing I noticed, I don't know if they did this purposefully, but there were a couple of scenes that I felt were like almost nods to the typical horror jump scares, but. Um, mm-hmm they didn't actually ever happen. Like he's washing his face and he closes the mirror or something. And his daughter is there in the mirror asking, you know, telling him dinner's ready. Oh yeah. Right. And it wasn't scary at all. And they didn't even try to make it a false scare, but it was just like, that is in every horror movie. And I feel like they probably, I could see them like knowing it and being like, let's put that in here and not use it as a scare. So they're really owning the fact that they weren't going to use like the typical, uh, like devices that horror movies use. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could have just been coincidence. Uh, and that's a device that movies use in general, but yeah, it's kind of cool to think about them maybe like flaunting it. Like, yeah. we don't need to take this this easy, <laughs> low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Look, uh, we have this very easy opportunity to, but we're going to take the high road. Yeah. And then there was another shot that was like a shot that's probably been in like a hundred horror movies. He tells his daughter not to go down the basement because that's where he's got his radio and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but she wants to go down there, so you get a, a shot of her looking down the basement steps, and it's from the dark basement, like, 
Oh. Looking up at her standing at the top of the steps. Yeah, yeah. And I we, just feel like that shot is in so many horror movies. We're, we're like, you'd expect like something to be like staring at her coming out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's a good eye. Yeah, that, that is interesting. They, they do those kind of things in there and, and uh, didn't really like do the typical thing, what you would expect them to do. That, that That's pretty good. Yeah. But who knows? That might just be coincidence. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I, I could definitely see that because, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the, the, they're taking on a, a genre here that's like filled of uh, stereotypical uh, plot devices like that. So I, I, I'd like to think it's purposeful. Yeah. Um, any, uh, anything else jump out to you? Uh, not really. I think that's about it. I, just, I love that it's not only is this like an original idea f- to mm-hmm. get scares, like, hey, there are these monsters that can only hear, so the characters have to be super silent, and we'll have one of them give birth and yeah. step on a nail. and Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's easy, not easy to come up with that idea, but I could see, like, a bunch of dudes, like, spitballing in a writer's room coming up with it. Yeah. But then they, like, took the time to really build, like, a deep, right good movie around it. So I love that about it. Yeah, like a simple idea, but just, like, really well executed with, like, strong characters and, uh, like, a whole great relationships that, and, and great acting uh, in, yeah. in, like, a in like the perfect setting, like this rural farm out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yeah, I just feel like there are a lot of elements that were really well thought out because, I mean, that, that premise could have gone badly in a number of other ways. Yeah, yeah, or could have just fallen flat or been just an average horror movie. yeah. Would, uh, did you feel like it was, like, very scary? Like, I feel like this was a very intense watch, uh, and, like, you know, the, the whole movie, your heart's racing, but I'm not sure, like, some movies you leave and, like, you're, like, wow, freaked out, you're gonna get home, and, like, you're scared of the dark for a while. This one, I, I'm not sure I felt, like, scary afterwards. Uh, did you? No, but I think the only movies that do that for me are, like, ghost movies. Yeah. And maybe slasher movies, so. Yeah. I thought it was pretty scary, yeah, um, for what it was. Yeah, you're right. For a monster movie, yeah, that, that, that's not a fair expectation that you would you would expect that. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Uh, that uh, yeah, that, I, I think it was it was a very fun and intense watch. How many uh, rusty nails would you give this one? <laughs> uh, I give it five rusty nails. <laughs> oh my god, five. That's that's. Is this like the highest uh, rated? Uh, have you have you given anything five? Uh, I think I gave a five to Get Out and The Witch, maybe. Wow. And maybe The Babadook. Yeah. It's So here's the thing on this. This won't end up being one of my favorite horror movies, and mm-hmm. I don't think I would gladly rewatch it, but it's not like a, one I could watch over and over again. Yeah. But there's just no way to make it better in my mind. Yeah. Like, so that's why I'm going with a five, because there's, wow. there's nothing about it that could be better for what it, for what it is oh my in God. my mind. Yeah. Wow. Five out of five. That's, that, that's amazing. And yeah, I, I, I agree. Really well done movie. I don't, I don't know how could it be better. I, I don't know. I, I kind of want to give it uh, a four because yeah, I, I agree. It was like really well executed. Uh, probably like the best it could have been on this premise. Um, for, for me, there was a certain depth that was missing. Like I agree the characters were likable. Um, but like when I compare it to like the Babadook or, or Get Out uh, or even the Witch, which I feel like were metaphors that had, like, a, a lot more, like, depth that you could, like, look into uh, and that, like, you know, were almost like commentaries on society. This one felt a little more isolated and, and not, like, as... Uh, I, I couldn't, like, extrapolate so much from it that would be relevant to my everyday. 
which I understand is a lot to ask for a horror film. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably give it a four. But I, I, I agree. This is like one of the the best uh, I, I've seen in a long time. Yeah, you know, I I respect the four. I hear what you're saying. And uh, as a new parent, like there's a scene where they lose their son, and uh, a scene where the father sacrifices himself for the family, mm-hmm. and. Lately, when stuff like that happens in movies, I tend to cry. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't in this one, and so maybe they, maybe that speaks to your, like, saying it doesn't have a certain amount of depth. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I was just more into the rest of the movie, and also I'm kind of glad they didn't dwell on it, just because it, it, it really brings the movie down to a level where it's, like, so dreary that it can't be as much fun. Yeah. So, like... I love that they cut right. You see the in that first scene, you see the monster come like tackle the kid, yeah, and disappear off the side of the screen, and then it's over. Yeah, like if we had seen any more, or seen more of the family's reaction, or even seen the family's reaction the next day, it yeah. would have been like a little too heart wrenching, possibly. Yeah, uh, I think I think to you're keep right. the mood of the movie. So. Yeah, no, that, that's true. I, I think it was very, very purposeful on their part to kind of yeah keep, keep it. Uh, yeah, not dive too deep into like the sorrow or the loss uh, and all that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I think it would have been they, very. Different. They definitely like did it justice. Like they all had scenes where they were remembering. Yeah. Uh, that loss, but it wasn't just like a. They didn't wallow in the tear jerkiness of it. They yeah. didn't exploit that too much without. It's they found a nice balance between exploiting it and like. Overlooking it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, that that, uh, that it, it is really good balance, and balance is so important in these movies. Uh, otherwise, you can totally get the formula wrong. So, uh, yeah. I, I think that helps, and it helps having these guys from the comedy uh, genre too, like Emily Blunt and, and Jim or John Krasinski. I think they're they, that, that's that's what they're good at doing is balancing that kind of uh, dynamic. Yeah, yeah, it adds some charm. Yeah. Uh, well, great. Uh, I I think so. That that's that's our review of uh uh quiet place any anything else uh to add to it or any any other things you want to call out that's all i got all right well that's all for this episode uh viewers we hoped or listeners we hope you enjoyed today's discussion about a quiet place if you want to be a part of the discussion uh we encourage you to follow us at horror movie club podcast on facebook or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com Uh, Check out our Facebook page for next week's movie in case you want to watch it before the next episode. And check out our website, which is horrormovieclub.com. Is that right, Brian? Yep, that's it. Awesome. Great. Well, until next time, uh, I guess if you're planning to have a kid, maybe consider uh, how close you are to any kind of monsters that might be attracted to the noise that kid make or that might endanger your family and put you in a situation that may not be the best. Yeah, standard family planning. Yeah, standard family planning, exactly. And get the Swedish fish next time you see a movie, just in case. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't want to be that guy sobbing and eating popcorn. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs>